Welcome to the Beacon Broadcast from Beacon Baptist Church in Burlington, North Carolina, featuring expositional Bible teaching by Pastor Greg Barkman. If you'd like to correspond with the Beacon Broadcast, or if you wish to support this radio ministry, write to The Beacon Broadcast, Post Office Box 159, Alamance, North Carolina, 27201, or find us on the web at beaconbaptist.com beaconbaptist.com The Beacon Broadcast is supported in part by the gifts of faithful listeners. Now with today's message from God's Word, here is Greg Barkman. We are coming now rather quickly to the end of the list. What list? You say, if you are a regular listener to the Beacon Broadcast, you know that we have been examining three lists that the Apostle Paul gives us in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, each of the three with nine items. So altogether, we're talking about 27 items that we've been working through one by one. The first list is nine hardships, trials, and sufferings that Paul experienced as a minister of the gospel, and many of which will also apply to all ministers of the gospel and indeed all Christians. List number two in verses six and seven are nine graces and enablements that are needed to overcome suffering. Since trials and sufferings and hardships are the inevitable lot of the Christian's life, then it's important that we know what qualities will enable us to overcome those sufferings. And then the third list in verses 8 through 10 are nine paradoxes of the Christian life. A paradox is a statement that seems contradictory at first glance, at first hearing, and yet contains a wonderful truth. It contains helpful insight that could probably not be gleaned if it were not put to us in the form of a seeming contradiction that made us wrestle with that contradiction to try to uncontradict it. (laughs) And as we do, we come to a new understanding of truth. And it is that third list that we have been working through, and we are ready today for item number eight, and possibly, depending on how the time goes, we may get to number nine. So thank you for joining me on this Wednesday, March 1, and thank you for helping us with the cost of maintaining this broadcast. Here's the list of nine paradoxes. Paul says, verse 8 of chapter 6, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. This is rich. 
And every time I go through the list, I'm tempted to go back and comment on some of the previous ones, but I'm going to discipline myself to not do that and plunge right into item number eight, which is enriching poverty. Now, there's a paradox. Enriching poverty. Paul says, speaking of himself and of many Christians as well, as poor, yet making many rich. How does that work? And the question, of course, is what is Paul talking about? Is he talking about material riches, material poverty and material riches? Is he talking about spiritual poverty and spiritual riches? Or is he even talking about a combination of the two? And I actually think that third one is the best explanation, but let's consider the possibilities before we get there. He says, as poor, yet making many rich. Which, if they're both sides of the equation, both sides of the paradox, are talking about material matters, what he's saying is that though Paul was financially poor, he made many other people financially rich. You say, that can't be right. Well, I think it's possible. I think I, I don't think that's the best understanding. That's I don't think it's the most likely thing that Paul is saying here, but I don't think it's impossible that he could be saying that. Well, how is that? Well, a faithful minister of God's Word, as Paul was, is very likely to lead a life that is generally characterized as being financially poor. Paul did. And yet there are indications of two things that offset that to some degree. One is, there seems to be some pretty good evidence that Paul's family that he came from was wealthy, which of course or at least was, if it was not what we would call wealthy, was at least very stable and strong financially. They were not, not what you would call poor. The very fact that they were able to send him off from Tarsus to Jerusalem for his education, that, that's kind of like in our day, sending your son or daughter off to, say, Harvard. You, you, don't, that, you've, you can't do that if you're poor unless you get an awful lot of Outside help, financial help, scholarship help, various kinds of aid. It's just impossible for the average person to pay those kinds of prices. So that's, and in that day, I don't think they'd ever heard of such a thing as a scholarship. So for Paul's family to be able to send him to Jerusalem to be trained by Gamaliel, the most famous rabbi of his day, indicates a measure of wealth. So the fact that Paul gave up that his becoming a follower of Jesus Christ cost him a good relationship with his family. It may have caused him to be completely cut off. As we know, that sometimes Jewish people will cut off sons or daughters who convert to Christianity. And so Paul, and that makes poverty all the more difficult it's one thing if you grow up poor and you continue to be poor, you've, you've kind of learned how to handle it. It doesn't really bother you as much as someone who 
has a wealthy background and they're suddenly placed in a position where they're poor and they have to learn learn to live in a, an entirely different way, like a poor person. My wife and I both grew up in Christian homes, and both of our homes, though they weren't the same, were, though not poverty-stricken, were, were, were in frugal circumstances for reasons that I won't go into right now. And we found that very helpful. Because when we entered into Christian ministry, we were in a real tight situation financially, and yet it really wasn't as big a hardship for us as it would have been for some other people who'd grown up in more comfortable circumstances. We knew how to stretch a dollar. We knew how to live not I would never, I never, we never felt like we were living in poverty, but we knew how to live without the extras. We, for many years in our early Christian life, never, I mean never, underscore that word never, never ate out at a restaurant unless someone else took us and, and we were eating as their guests at their expense, which actually we did quite a bit. The Lord was good. We had people in our church that would take us out to eat. So it's not that we were denied the opportunity of enjoying meals in restaurants, but we couldn't do that on our own. An occasional McDonald's meal was a luxury for us. And then I can remember when we graduated to the place where we could actually go with our children. We had four children and take them to a a pizza place not far from us that had very... Um, inexpensive prices and huge breaks for children. And we got to the place where we could do that occasionally. And that was a big treat, and it was only occasionally. Now I just throw that out as an illustration of what I'm talking about. Financially poor. Paul could be saying here, when he says, as poor, yet making many rich, he could say, I became financially poor when I entered the ministry of Christ. Now, I said there were a couple of things that mitigated that. One was that Paul came from a wealthy family. That didn't, of course, supply him with any financial resources in his ministry unless they were willing to help him, and the indications are that they probably weren't. But at least he knew what that was about. He wasn't ignorant of what it was to live in economic comfort, but he was forced to live in a, a, a different level, and yet not at all times. As he tells us in Philippians chapter 4, he had learned both how to abound and how to be abased, both how to uh, live well and how to suffer need. I have learned how to do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So Paul himself makes it clear that as a minister of Christ, he wasn't continually and regularly and unremittingly living at the poverty line. There were times when he had an abundance. There were times when he had a surplus. There were times when he had discretionary funds, and there were other times when he didn't. But we would have to say, overall, his life as a minister of the gospel would have been described more in terms of financially poor than anything else. And it could be he is saying, even though I was, for the most part, 
financially poor, the ministry of God's word in the lives of other people made many rich. People who were enslaved to sin, enslaved to alcohol, enslaved to immorality, enslaved to gambling, enslaved to to profligate living, who squandered all their money, who... If they'd, if they'd lived a different way, they wouldn't have been poor, but a lot of people end up in poverty because of sin. And yet, when the gospel comes to them and changes their lives, it changes them from, from um, alcoholics to sober people, from immoral to, to moral people, It makes which enables them to work more steadily, and they're taught to labor and work with their hands. And, and the ministry of God's Word in the person's heart will change their life and will improve, in most cases, their economic circumstances. So people benefit not only spiritually from a good Bible-centered ministry by a faithful preacher of God's Word, but they will also benefit financially in most cases. And that may be what Paul is saying. That's the first possibility. As poor himself, and yet making other people rich by teaching them the truths of God's Word, which change their lives and change their thinking and change their abilities, and improve their health, and improve their habits, and make them more successful financially, and make them better managers of the money that God entrusts them with. And it will improve the financial situation so that some of them will actually become rich as a result of the ministry of God's Word by a faithful minister like the Apostle Paul. That may be what he's saying. He, though poor, has made many others rich. But there are other ways to understand that phrase, and we'll come back to it tomorrow. Join me then. Until then, Greg Barkman saying good day. May God give you his eternal peace.